time for your Saturday morning coffee with Reese Boy. So wake me up when it's Boyd is on right now. Talk 94.5. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am Reese Boyd, local attorney here in town with the firm of Davis and Boyd, attorneys at law. I'm your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. Welcome to the show. Big, big doings here on Saturday Morning Coffee for Saturday, July 22nd. Thanks for checking in with us sharing your Saturday morning with us. First big item uh, to announce, this is the new format for Saturday Morning Coffee. A lot to share with you this morning about uh, new, we call it Saturday Morning Coffee Light, but uh, here as always at Saturday Morning Coffee, we invite you to sit down, pour yourself a cup of your favorite coffee. Join us as we talk about the news, current events, everything happening in this crazy world. We're all about limited government here, lower taxes, all the things that mean more freedom. We're all about the, the rule of law, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be talking about uh, the rule of law today here on Saturday Morning Coffee. It's the it's the fundamental bedrock upon which everything you know, love, and hold dear rest in terms of secular, constitutional. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, folks, God's in charge and he knows what he's doing. But, um, but we got a lot to cover today because the rule of law is under assault here on Saturday Morning Coffee. And um, so joined in the studio as always by... Producer extraordinaire, Dr. Dye. Dr. Dye, how are you doing this morning? I'm excited about the guests we have today. Yeah, Reese. we got a lot coming up. We're going to be talking to Russell Fry. We're going to be talking to Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evitt. So, a lot to talk about here on Saturday Morning Coffee in the new format. We, we've taken a little bit of a pause here. We're pushing Saturday Morning Coffee back to one hour. So, today is the first one-hour show. Still going to be doing the podcast and uh, still going to be doing Saturday Morning Coffee every week from 7 to 8. Yeah. But we're just to give us a little bit of a break because uh, producing a two-hour show is actually a lot of work, folks. But we're enjoying uh, the hour that we're going to share with you. we got a lot to talk about here on Saturday Morning Coffee. Hope you'll stick with us. Great show coming up. Little Jason Aldean to take us out of this brief intro. Life in a small town. Not racist. Stick with us. We'll be right back with more. Saturday morning coffee. Let me tell you about one of our favorite sponsors here at Saturday Morning Coffee. Of course, we're talking about Conway Ford. We love all our sponsors, love all my children here at Conway Ford, but we especially love Conway at Saturday Morning Coffee, but we especially love Conway Ford where you find Barry, Barry Norman, Andy Lone, all our good friends over at Conway Ford who are dedicated to bringing you the best car buying experience at your at your hometown dealer, Conway Ford. We're talking about great selection, excellent, excellent customer service, and the best car buying experience in the area. They guarantee it. Their experience is better than their competitors. And they're so excited to finally have tons of inventory on the lot. Ford Escapes, Ford Expeditions, Ford Broncos, Bronco Sports, especially those Bronco Sports. Love those Broncos. Mustangs, F-150s, you name it. There's a great selection over at Conway Ford. If it's a drive for you, it's worth the drive, but you'll find it on Church Street in Conway. Check them out and tell them you heard about it here on Saturday Morning Coffee. It's Conway Ford, your hometown Ford dealer and worth the trip.
Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Thanks for joining us here on this premiere edition of Saturday Morning Coffee Light. And we're joined here in the studio, as promised, by our good friend, Congressman Russell Fry. Russell is here to join us to bring us up to date on what a week in Washington, Russell. But thanks for joining us here on Saturday Morning Coffee. Always good to be here, my friend. And, uh, yeah, it's been kind of a, a, a very busy week in Washington, D.C., as I, I know many of your listeners have seen. Yeah, it's really amazing, Russell. I think a lot of us, myself included, we're, we're seeing things being discussed in testimony before Congress that we knew. We, we've intuitively, on some level, in many ways, and in many ways we've actually known a lot of this, us. I'm talking about those of us who exist in the, you know, in the conservative talk universe, those of us who agree on these issues, we've known a lot of these things, but to see it being discussed in, in ways that people should not be able to dismiss, let me let me caveat that, should not be able, It's it's it leaves us kind of shell-shocked in a way. I feel like I'm a little shell-shocked having heard some of the things, Grassley's release of the 1023, that basically, I mean, as I've, we had this conversation on the Liz show on Friday, it's not really like a jury has said it. It's not like a conviction, but come on. I mean, it's a it's an FBI informant that you've paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to over the years because of the quality of your information, and it's a very damning indictment. Again, of what we really knew, we suspected, we've seen the evidence already, but to see it in an FBI form that's been sitting in justice for over a year, Russell, and clearly not a na- national not a national security threat in any way, other than the fact no. that we're revealing to the world that we have a corrupt administration. But we, yeah, knew, we, yeah. we knew that already. I mean, As, to your point, I mean, I think that's that's what what is most shocking to me. You know, looking at the allegations of the 1023, and this is the same document that I've seen a couple weeks ago when they finally, first of all, they didn't ever acknowledge that they had it. They said they didn't have anything. Uh, and so we, you know, this, these are the battles that we have to get information out to the American people. So the contents of it, that's, that's one angle, right? The contents of it where you have a Burisma executive that names not only Hunter Biden receiving $5 million, but Joe Biden receiving $5 million. So the contents are damning themselves. And then to your point, Reese, what was done? I mean, did this just sit in an archive somewhere and no one did anything? Like, who made the call to not elevate this uh, or or look into it further? Um, We're seeing this time and time again uh, with the weaponization of our federal government that depending on your political persuasion or what family connections you have to certain individuals kind of dictates the, the course of conduct of any investigation that, that would occur or not occur. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, that's equally as alarming on a different front uh, yeah. than, than the contents themselves. I mean, I mean, we have always had, by definition, Russell, anytime three or more are gathered, there are going to be political differences, right? Um, I mean, right. we've always had political differences in this country, but I felt, I've always felt, I grew up to believe that I lived in a country where, you know, some people wanted to emphasize social programs, some people wanted to emphasize defense, some people were money hawks, some people were, were, were money squanderers, and, you know, we were always finding balances among these varying political viewpoints, but at the end of the day, it all sat on this foundation of we believed in the rule of law and the, and equal justice under the law and treating people the same under the law, no matter what their political stripe might have been. And, and what we're seeing now is that's completely 
that's completely out the door for a lot of people and a lot of people in, with a lot of power in this country, in D.C. Right. And how right. can you have a country? How can we even call ourselves a republic? Think about this. If the same scrutiny that's been applied to Donald Trump over the last four years had been applied to Joe Biden, he'd be under the jail right now, right? Right. Am I, and, am and I, miss, media, am I missing something? No, I think you. I think you hit the nail on the head, and this is my frustration. I mean, our country has survived. You know, you've had peaceful transfers of power for forever, uh, but it, it, you know, one of the central uh, holdings that 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 keeps that together is this adherence to the rule of law. Like you said, that despite political differences, the, this country will continue. Uh, and you know, my fear now, you know, looking at this is. Who's making these calls? I mean, I, I read, you know, I spent hours going through the transcript testimony of these IRS whistleblowers this week and, and, and hours and hours and hours and like thumbing through it and making notes and kind of putting together, you know, preparing for the hearing that we had. And, and these guys are career guys. One of them is a Democrat. I mean, again, they were just civil servants and they saw it. They saw exactly what you're talking about. Uh, and this is just the freshest example of, of you know, the, the deep concern that all Americans, I mean, uh, share, which is who are we as a country when, you know, certain people are looked at or not looked at or there are political decisions made about investigations? Um, and that shouldn't be the case, right? I mean, if you, if you break the law, you break the law. If you, if you investigate uh, if there are guardrails in place and, and protocols to investigate certain types of activity, then you follow those no matter who it is. Um, but that's not the case, and that's what that was so that was what was so alarming about the IRS uh, whistleblower testimony this week is, you know, these these two gentlemen that have come forward into the sunlight at great risk to their careers and to their families. Uh, this yeah. is not easy for them, and so on that I applaud them because it's not you know it's not easy to go man I could lose my job for for this and I could be completely toxic and run out of town, but they did it out of a, out of a, a deep seated appreciation for, uh, adherence to these protocols and they were not followed. And you have, you know, attorneys, U S attorneys that are making decisions and there's massive disagreement or seems to be a disagreement about who had charging authority. You know, they weren't, the investigators weren't allowed to ask certain questions. They weren't allowed to go after certain witnesses, Joe Biden, as an example, but these are all in the protocols. Like if you have a, a financial transaction crime, like you, you interview people who are purported to be, I mean, one of the tax deductions from Hunter Biden was that he paid for his dad's hotel, right? So investigators would want to know, was this a legitimate business expense or not? And yeah. they wouldn't interview people, but because it was Joe Biden, they yeah. did not, they were not allowed to interview him. And so there are so many examples of this in their, in their transcripts and their testimony of, of, Areas where they were ready to go, and they were impeded, they were denied, they were redirected, uh, and and the 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 end result of that, Reese, is that we are less confident in our agencies to be able to faithfully execute the job that they were supposed to do from the beginning, which is to treat everybody the same. Yeah, I. I... Amen. I don't even know what more to say. It's almost as if the whole system has been revealed to be corrupt. And you have to ask yourself, how far do we have to back up? How fundamental do we have to go 
to make this right. But let me ask you this question. It seems as though whistleblowing is now becoming kind of the national, the, the, the Washington pastime for the summer. But I mean, do you, I wish I had a whistle franchise in Washington right now. Um, right. What, what do you see happening? Are there going to be more whistleblowers? What do y'all have coming up? And, and are we going to get more revelations? I'm, I know there's supposedly there's some Burisma audio out there that I've heard about. That'll be, I hope, you know, somehow make its way into the public court of public opinion. Do you, what do you see happening going forward? Well, I see, I see the investigations continuing and, and whistleblowers you know, have to make that judgment call, much like these two gentlemen did. Uh, on you know whether they're going to shed light on this. What I will say, at, at least as it pertains to the IRS, is there was a former FBI agent that corroborated their testimony uh, yeah. and said, yeah, these things exactly did happen. So there are people who are kind of coming. And again, none of this would have happened um, if Republicans were not able to take back the majority because these guys, they would have fallen on deaf ears if, if they decide to blow the whistle. Um the, the committee yeah. uh, hypothetically would have never investigated it, and so mm-hmm. um, a great risk to them. They've they've come forward. We we always invite people who you know know something like this to to come forward. And again, you know, you're a lawyer. You let the facts guide you. And here there is enough. I would say maybe a little bit more than circumstantial evidence, but there's enough evidence out there that these things are not meritless. That there are real concerns. Your listeners see it. Uh, you see it, I see it. The American people see this for what it is, yeah. um, and they see they they see the problems with this. Like, well, this doesn't pass the smell test. Like, why are you receiving money from Chinese backed companies? And 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 what role did did you know the big guy have in that? Yeah. Um, you know, you have this very serious allegation in a ten twenty three by like what you talked about. Um, a credible. We've he's been he's been credible for a while. We paid him uh, for his his material, his source material, and it wasn't investigated. Like I it yeah. just, it it is mind blowing to me that that they wouldn't even race down to see if it was if it was true or not. I mean, people lie, right? I mean, uh, this guy who was blustering and talking about Joe and Hunter, he could be lying. But again, that's the job of these agencies to go ferret this stuff out and to cross reference it. This was the problem with Crossfire Hurricane in the Durham report, where they just, because it was Trump, they just believed it without doing any cross-referencing or corroborating of evidence. You chase these things down no matter what. They didn't, they didn't do it at all for Trump, uh, and they're completely ignoring it for Biden. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it's just mind-blowing to me that, that we're even in this situation. So uh, I think the investigations continue, I think, you know, as we learn about more companies, and more bank accounts, and we fight through the courts and everything to get those records, you're going to start to see more. But it's, it is it is worse than I thought when I arrived in Congress. Yeah. Ago. I mean, we're, I'm, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say we sort of knew these things, we suspected deeply what was going on, has been going on, but we we now sort of see clearly, and it's hard to avoid the fact that the, that the administration is corrupt, the family is sort of a syndicate, and... And it's been that way for a while. It started at least when he was vice president, and it appears that it goes back even beyond that. So, um, listen, Russell, we got to run to a hard break, but listen, thanks for being on the show. Any parting Absolutely. thoughts you want to share? I really appreciate all that you do in D.C. that you're doing, and I appreciate you making time for us this morning. No, in, in parting, you know, we, we are busy. We, we put a lot of effort into getting prepared for these hearings. You know, I, I want to treat it seriously because it is serious, and 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 so we, you know, we spend a great deal of time preparing. But I'm looking forward August recess. We're going to be back in the district 
a lot and, and bouncing around and seeing people and being back in the real world. Uh, so uh, I, I just I'm always thankful of the opportunity to serve this incredible area uh, and be our voice uh, in Congress. And, and thank you for what you do uh, in highlighting these things. Um, for our residents as well. Yes. Well, great. Listen, Russell, thanks for all you do. Keep up the great work. And as all you know this, come back on the show anytime. We'd love to have you. Absolutely. Folks, thanks, it's Reed. Thank you, sir. Folks, it's Russell Fry, our 7th District Congressional Representative, doing great work um, helping to uncover the truth in D.C. And it's not pretty, folks, but it's a, it's a dirty job, as Mike Rowe says, but somebody's got to do it. Saturday morning coffee. Stick with us. We'll be right back with our very special guest, the Lieutenant Governor, Pamela Evans, going to be joining us here in the studio. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Thanks for joining us here on your Saturday morning. Always great to be with y'all. Joined here in the studio, as we promised, by one of our very special guests for this inaugural edition of Saturday Morning Coffee Light. We got a new format uh, this week, so thanks for joining us. It's Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evans. Good morning, Pam. It's great to see you guys. Great to be back in the new studio. Looking good. Sounding good. We are are enjoying the, uh, the new digs. Do you notice the fresh balloons from Liz's birthday? There? Yes, yes. Fresh off, fresh off the birthday celebration. For They'll the- be there for the full year like the last ones were. Yeah, well, we've upgraded. There was a streamer that said happy birthday, but now they've upgraded. It's now electric. It's yeah. not turned on at the moment, but we'll, uh, mm-hmm. we'll turn it back on. The, the letters light up, so it's, mm-hmm. it's a great effect. Um, you're not hearing us? I'm not hearing you in my ears. She is not. Oh, let's, let's turn up your volume. She's not hearing us. So, and I do, again want to thank you for joining us. Can you hear me now? Now I can hear you. She's good. I want to thank you for joining us uh, this morning and sharing your Saturday morning with us. So what's what's new in your world? I noticed you were cleaning up the beach this week. You did a beach sweep. We did. Been doing all kinds of things. You know, the SC7, That's uh, that starts in July, the mountains to the sea. And so I jumped in in Conway. Conway got named the first yeah. trail town. What a wonderful um, thing to be named. Conway's a beautiful town. And so, you know, was out there hiking around the trails, seeing what they're doing. If you haven't been out there, I say get out there. And if you haven't been and you want to wait till October, you know, it turns into Halloween town. Oh, yeah. The month of October kind yeah. of becomes Halloween Conway does town. A, does a great job with Halloween. We hang pumpkins from the trees. Absolutely. So it's always cute to go see that. And then yeah. we did a beach cleanup and, you know, we have to do better. Yeah. Um, now, for those who don't know, what exactly is SC7? So the SC7 is the South Carolina Seven Wonders. And so General Tom Mulliken, uh, along with the National Heritage Corridor, Corridor, came together to highlight and talk about why environment and sustainability, why these things should be important to us uh, because of economic development, uh, for health reasons, for um aesthetics right Uh, there's so many reasons and to just showcase the wonderful things we have right here in south carolina most people don't realize that in oconee county we have waterfalls that rival anything you'd ever see in hawaii oh yeah um and so it's a good way to to talk about our state ecotourism Mm -hmm. has been huge since covid so we want to make sure that as everybody's looking around the country of where to go we're highlighting why they need to come right here to south carolina yeah, my wife and I talk about this a lot. We love the, the older we get, the we love the mountains. I mean, we're beach people. I grew up in Conway, by the way. Oh, I didn't so know that. Conway is my 
old stomping grounds. But the, <laughs> the older we get, we enjoy the mountains more. We still love the beach. We're still beach people. But, you know, there are areas in the upstate, Lake Jocassee, mm-hmm. the waterfalls up there, the areas, the, the, the Jocassee Gorges up above the lake. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's beautiful country. You can go up there. And people don't really think about South Carolina in that way. People always think about the beach, but we've got beautiful country in the upstate. Oh, we do. And and that's what the South Carolina 7 highlights. And it really brings awareness. You know, here in South Carolina, we want everybody to do the right thing because that's what they want to do. Yeah. We want them to clean up because it's the right thing to do. And people have asked me over the last six years why this is something I feel passionate about. And it's because this is a huge economic development issue mm-hmm. on top of all the other reasons I said. Oh, uh, sure. BM- yeah. BMW said the reason they went to Spartanburg, South Carolina, is because it looked like people took pride in where they lived. And they felt like if they took pride in where they lived, they would take pride in the product they were producing. And look what that did. I mean, yeah. it, it sh- reshaped South Carolina's oh, yeah. economy. Absolutely. Uh, we were talking about that earlier. We were just talking about Governor Campbell. Yeah. You know, who would have known? I mean, many predicted it, frankly. Yeah. A lot of a lot of folks have now forgotten, but it was Campbell's relationship with BMW CEO at the time and their personal connection, in my opinion. I mean, some might disagree with this statement, but it had a lot to do with BMW developing that project to where it ultimately resulted in the Greer assembly plant and everything that's happened. And, you know, Reese, that's why it's when people talk about incentives, you know, that was Mm -hmm. something I talked about with Liz asked me about last week. You know, Governor Campbell got a lot of grief over, you know, incentives he gave to BMW to come to South Carolina and, you know, how people's homes were moved and things like that. Mm -hmm. But he saw a vision and man, did that vision pay off because it wasn't just BMW. Um, It was all the tier two, tier three. Uh, vendors that came with them that the you know the the people of South Carolina and the state profited from from all the tax dollars yeah and then all the mom and pop things that emerged whether it be hotels and restaurants as people come in as as people from BMW overseas come in they need a place to stay they need places to eat all those workers yeah um, oh yeah you know it's just the the whole trickle down effect it's 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 an issue that is debated and not everybody is totally comfortable with where we are and i get that it's a, it's a it's a policy decision it's like we were talking about earlier with russell mm-hmm. you know we've always been a country where we had policy decisions and i want to policy debates and i want to get to that but you know one of the things about when bmw came to town the primary tool that state economic development folks had was the fee in lieu mm-hmm. which basically said you're going to pay a set fee in lieu of otherwise applicable property taxes that sort of thing now it seems, and where I think some people have concerns, is we're getting into where the state starts funding things directly, mm. and I think you can you get into a slippery slope there. I mean, one, it's one thing to build infrastructure, yeah. right? But I think we have to be very careful about putting money directly in a private entity's. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's a there's yeah. a. I think that's something we have to be careful about. But you're right, and I think we're in an area now where people. States have to do it to be competitive, because if we don't have an aggressive economic development program, well, North Carolina does. And so does Georgia. And so does Georgia. Yeah. And and these are competitors, right? If you're a business, you're competing with a guy down the street. If you're a state, you're competing with other states. I think what we have to do, and as an accountant, I say this, not even lieutenant governor, you have to make sure that you have 
really solid calculated risk, right? That you're not taking risky ventures, but yes. you're making sure that the what you're doing, you're not putting the taxpayer dollar at risk. And everything that I've seen since I've been lieutenant governor, mm-hmm. there has been very little risk uh, in this. You know, like yeah. you said, we've done infrastructure. Well, if, so, if, if a deal goes awry... That infrastructure is going to be there for the next big company that wants to come to South Carolina. And there's another one knocking on the door every day. Yeah. And so, again, not putting the taxpayer dollars at risk. And I think that's the important that's the important part is yeah. making sure you take good, low risk, um, low risk incentives to where taxpayers don't feel like their money was squandered. And, and I, but I, but it's clearly paying off because mm-hmm. if you look at all the the corridor that's grown up on eighty five around yeah. BMW and the tire manufacturing and I mean there are great jobs there you are. know the big the big complaint speaking about growing up in Conway the big complaint that we've always had on the coast here in South Carolina is the best and brightest kids who grow up here would leave town and right. and they'd have to by definition you would go somewhere else probably go somewhere else to go to school and then go somewhere else to work because if you didn't have you know if your if your family wasn't in the hotel business or something like that there really wasn't you know a lot of other things going on and we need to change that we need you know and I'm hoping that you know scout coming to the midlands and eventually I mean we should have manufacturing on a big scale happening in coastal I mean we've got Boeing down in Charleston yep um, but we need manufacturing going on in a big way here in Orie County, somehow, some way. Well, you do. And, you know, it was great with the announcement of D.C. Block coming here. Yep. That brought technology yep. jobs, which is diver- That's right. yeah, Absolutely. diversifying from what you have in the hospitality space. You know, this, it's always been such a battle back and forth about, you know, putting an interstate in here to allow this to be more an attractive, more of an attractive area for manufacturing. Yeah. Because that's what manufacturers want when they come and look. They need mm-hmm. to make sure they can get their product in and out easy, that they can get, um, you know, their supply in and out easy. And, and that is a deterrent. You know, no matter how much, you know, you try to sell an area, manufacturers look for infrastructure. They look for a, a route for their product line. That's why we're doing so good in so many sectors because of our amazing port, right? Mm-hmm. We can get supplies mm-hmm. in. We can get product out. You go on the port, you see the BMWs leaving that oh, yeah. port. You see the tires leaving that port. I mean, these are all positives for our state. Absolutely. And every region has to look at that to say, how do we attract some of that here? What is making a, a business choose the upstate mm-hmm. over Horry County? What is making a business choose the Midlands, you know, over Charleston? Like, and try to figure out what they're doing. You know, we're selling it hard, um, South Carolina in general, mm-hmm. and really trying to work to our rural communities. I was with Dew in Union County where they were doing a job fair. And it's a mobile job fair. So what they're doing is they're trying to meet people where they are in our rural areas. Mm -hmm. They've done this in the PD. They've done this in Union County. Uh, And you want to make, you know, what they're trying to do is give everybody the opportunity to prosper. It's our amazing technical colleges that do that. Dr. Four couldn't do a better job at Ori Georgetown Tech. Uh, We, the last statistics I saw was about a year and a half ago, but we are, with secondary education and certifications, we're only about 48% of the people of South Carolina. And we need to be up with the amount of manufacturing that we had in the 70% range. So we got a way to go and keeping 
you know, keeping our best and brightest here is making sure we keep our in-state tuition low, something the governor and I have pushed since we've been in office, uh, freezing in-state tuition so that our kids go to one of our amazing universities. And then we create enough uh, economic development opportunities around our state that then they stay right here. Yeah. That's the secret. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, it's paying off, I think, We've still got a ways to go on the education. We could spend a whole show, several shows, talking about education. Absolutely. Um, and that's been a big topic of discussion here on Saturday Morning Coffee. But it looks like in, in terms of just raw economic growth and job creation, we're doing really well. We are doing well. We are. That's why we're not feeling inflation. Yeah. You know, that's why when Newsmax asked me to come on and rebuttal Bidenomics, yeah. I, I said to him, I said, it was no accident that he came to a thriving red conservative state to talk about economic prosperity. He couldn't go to a blue state. No, no, he didn't go to a blue state. Because <laughs> they're running. I mean, yeah. businesses are running out of those states and people are running out of those states. Well, um, speaking of running, we got to run to a break. Sure. Can you stick with us and Absolutely. come back and chat a little more? Because there was a whole lot of other things I wanted to ask you about. <laughs> sure. Folks, we are talking to Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett here on Saturday Morning Coffee. Stick with us. We'll be right back with more right after these messages from our sponsors. Do not leave town. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, your Saturday morning start for Saturday, July 22nd. Hope you guys are having a great Saturday morning. Still joined here in the studio by one of our favorite guests. She's our like, you're like our regular voice of hope here on Saturday Morning Coffee. And our favorite voice our, of hope. Our favorite uh, voice you. of hope, yeah. I do like to be, po- we have, you know, we have so many things to be positive about here in our state. Yeah. Between our growth and the great people, you know, um, our wonderful faith community. I mean, we have so much to cheer about. Oh, yeah. Let, let, let's try to be positive, especially in the morning, right, guys? Let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's be, give people let's, hope. Let's, let's give people hope for, the, hope for the day. You know, I love, mornings are my favorite time of day. No accident that I, they asked me about doing a show. I wanted to do it in the morning because it's like every day is that new hope. Every day is a season. You know, it, start, it starts, at, it's an arc. It starts with hope and promise. And what are you going to do with the day the Lord has given you today? I try to impart that message on my kids. But, um, and of course, talking to Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett, one of our favorite guests. You're almost like a, you're almost like on staff now. We're going to have to, I have like to think that. about that. I like that. Here at Being Saturday on Morning staff. Coffee. Of course, you're a part-time resident of Ory County, so that makes it that makes it fun. It's been great this summer. You know, um, Jackson, my youngest, is working down here again, yeah, and yeah. so he he loves it. We love it. Um, the beach calls me. Oh yeah, <laughs> we were talking about beach people, mountain people. We were talking about Joe Cassie and Joe Cassie Gorges and some great things in the Upstate. Oh yeah, of course you're from Travelers Rest. I am. Great, great area. But little little tidbit I'll share with you. I'll share this story. Nobody really knows this, but I proposed to my wife on a hiking trip into Joe Cassie Gorges. Oh, 
That's really neat. And Look at you, romantic Reese. That was my, you know, my trick was <laughs> we hike into the woods a few miles, and if she says no, I just hike out. I'm <laughs> Nobody's seen. You're not embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, think nowadays these kids they do these big proposals. Yeah, big proposal oh, parties. Yeah, no, yeah. I wanted I wanted something quiet and just the two of us out in the woods. And uh, <laughs> so it'd be like it never happened. It never, right? like it never if even happened. She said no. It yeah, never even it, happened. Honey, it's like it never even happened. Don't worry about it. <laughs> So, <laughs> um, so it's been a tough week, I think, as an American. We've seen a lot has. that has really, I think, left many of us. We were talking to Russell Fry earlier in the show. I use the term shell-shocked. We've always suspected a lot of this. We know a lot of this on our own. We, most of us have been satisfied for some time. We've seen the WhatsApp messages with China. We've seen the other indications. But it's all kind of, you know, I'm a lawyer. It's building a circumstantial case. And like we were talking with Russell, even what we have now is not like a jury has convicted Joe Biden of anything. But if the same, what's frustrating, and you know this, I believe, I know this, if the same standards that have been applied to Donald Trump had been applied to Joe Biden, he would already be in jail, I think. Oh, he'd be under the jail. You were right when you said that. Yeah. Um, and, and it's that, hard. It's hard to see that happen in a country that you know and love, in a country that you've always believed in, you still believe in. Yes. And you and you have always hoped and prayed that it continues to stand for the rule of law. And it, but but if what we just said is true, and I don't know how to refute it, yeah, we're not standing. We're not the country of rule of law anymore. Well, I think that's what we have to continue to talk about. Right? Is that uh, our country was based on the fact that justice is blind. Yes. Uh, and so you know, there's no. It's no accident that, you know, you have uh, the the Lady Liberty, right? Like the justice with the balance on both sides, but she's yeah. wearing a blindfold. She's got a blindfold on. Because we're not supposed to look at that. And I think we have to stop making right wrong and wrong right. Or allow this idea, because this is what I've heard over the years that I would never let my children get away with, is you can do something wrong because you're doing it for what you perceive to be the right reason. Mm -hmm. We have to get back to what's wrong is wrong and what's right is right. Yeah. And there's no reason to justify wrong. Yeah. And, you know, when people ask me, I get a lot, like, who do I admire? Like, who's been a leader that I admire? And, you know, Queen Elizabeth, and people go like, what? And I'm we've, like, we've talked about yeah, her. think yeah. about her. Mm -hmm. She she was always duty it was always her faith it was always the it was always right and wrong and she never allowed the whimsical change of society to make something that was wrong right and that's what we need more of that's what our leaders should all be saying whether you have an r behind your name like we were talking about during the commercial break or a d we should all come together on right and wrong yeah. You know what I mean? It used to be that way. It, it used was. to be we may have disagreed um, on a path to get somewhere, but we always wanted the collective good of our country. We always wanted to be the the, the country that protected the weak. Mm -hmm. We always wanted to stand for freedom and principle. We always agreed on that, no matter no matter who you were, a Democrat or a Republican. And now it's like we nobody wants to agree on anything, we can't even agree on basic things, right? Yeah. Um, even when we talk about abortion, I, I always try to tell people, even though I believe that life begins at the moment of conception, we should all die on the hill of 15 weeks because at 15 weeks we're torturing an unborn baby. Yeah. Like we all can't agree that that's horrible. Yeah. Like we can't agree on this basic stuff anymore. And I'm telling you, Reese, we have got to get to our children and people have got to start 
talking to their kids. And I've said this with you before. My dad used to say, you better teach politics and religion to your kids because if you don't, somebody else will. Don't let the schools do it. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I spoke at Girls State and those they want to hear what we have to say. They may not agree, and when they don't agree, they really do ask intelligent questions. Mm -hmm. And what I ask them is to not let people pit them against each other. You know, when you say all blonde-haired girls go in this corner of the room and all red-haired girls go in that corner of the room and all brown-haired girls go in this corner of the room, you start to create an atmosphere where you think everybody that's not in your corner of the room is your enemy. And that's how we've gotten to where we are today, right? If you don't believe me 100% yeah. and you're my enemy, unlike what Ronald Reagan said, if somebody doesn't believe 20% of what you do, it doesn't make them 20% your enemy. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating to me, but I think there are some inherent values that are still there. They've just been covered up. Yeah, you know? I and I kids, agree. I think, understand a lot of these things intuitively. It's like the recent decision that the Supreme Court came out, the Students for Fair Admission Policies, the Harvard-UNC case. Yep. Um, of course, the left, the progressive left is up in arms, but I've seen some polling where even a majority of African-Americans support that decision, depending on, you know, which polls you look at. And yeah. I think people understand at some level, you know, these are some sort of fundamental, treating people equally under the law is, is kind of a bedrock value. If we don't have that, we don't have anything. Well, let's, let's talk about like these, these big universities, the yeah. Harvards, the Princetons, Stanford, like all, they have huge endowments. Oh yeah. Huge Absolutely. endowments. If they feel like kids should come to school for free, student loan debt should be for free. You should have, then give away that endowment money, pay yeah. it off, pay off the loans of your students. Do it from within instead of looking for all the taxpayers to do it, right? I believe that we should have equality of opportunity, that everybody has a place at the starting line. But where you end up at the end is based on your grit, your determination, how hard you're willing to work. And as a mom, that's what I, that's what I tell my kids. Well, you just want to make sure you're invited to the party. Yeah. Right? And then Amen. where yeah. you go from there, it's all based on you and what you're willing to put into it. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a ding for that little bit of wisdom. And it really is wisdom. Um, I hope that it prevails. I, I, I wish we're coming up against a hard break here at the end of the show, but I wanted to share with you. I mean, I hope you agree with me that there is there is a path forward. I feel there like is. 2024 is, a, is just a... I feel like 2024 is an existential decision for this country, and we have to choose between the rule of law or between something else, the banana republic, something else. It's just not the U.S. And I think this is not a time, um, you know, President Trump has, has um, institutional knowledge. Mm -hmm. He's got on-the-job training. I really believe we cannot have somebody come on the scene in 2024 that's trying to figure out, like, where do I where do I get my feet planted? Where do I get situated? We don't have that luxury right now. Yeah. I mean, he knows who the players are on the chessboard, and he knows how to play them. And that means a lot to me, uh, you know, as an American. I need somebody that's going to come on the scene and start straightening stuff out and not figuring stuff out, right? Yeah. Um, and so... This election means a lot. It should mean a lot to all of us. I hope as Republicans, I've been saying this everywhere. I think it's okay to pick your favorite. We mm -hmm. all pick our favorites. But at the end of the day, when maybe your favorite doesn't win, you can go home, you can cry a tear. And when the sun comes up and it's a new day like you talked about, 
we all carry the flag for whoever our nominee is. Because what yeah. happened four years ago, of, well, I don't really like this person, so I'm not going to vote. Or I'm going to vote for everybody but not him. We don't have that luxury now. We have, you know, energy prices are high. Grocery store prices are high. Savings accounts are dumping. You know, this is not a time that we just, you know, dig our heels in and act yeah. And act like a spoiled child. We need to get in and su- support our candidate and and make sure that we take back all three branches of government. It's yeah. the only way we're going to be able to fix this. Yeah. And I think as bad as those things are, I mean, I, I don't I don't like paying three bucks for a loaf of bread. But, you know, as bad as those things are, I think the most pressing existential threat to this country is the fact that we have an administrative state, a law enforcement state, a judicial or, or, you know, DOJ, the FBI that have been politicized and weaponized against their political enemies. And we can't have that in this country. Well, think about what President Trump's legacy was in his first term. It was those Supreme Court justices. And they have really... Yep. So so that is huge. I mean, he did leave that for us. And that was something that was bigger than himself. That was something that would carry principles and ideals of law far beyond him. And to me, when I look at a leader, it shouldn't just be about you and and your legacy. Right. What is the legacy of the principles that are rooted in this republic? And that's what he did. And and it was a win. Right. Affirmative action was stricken down. They didn't allow the executive orders. So where all of us were paying for the student loan debt of kids who decided now they didn't want to pay for the education they went and got. They Dobbs. Oh, oh yeah. They, oh, that was my next one. Brought it back down to the states where it should have been from the get go. All along. I mean, again, these are justices that were not putting their own social ideas on the backs of the Constitution. They were just interpreting the Constitution in its literal form. And thank God for that. We need more leaders like that that look, make sure that their legacy is past themselves. Amen. Strangely enough, we call that the rule of law, which is what we should all be for, no matter where we are on the political spectrum. Do your job. Do your job. Right is right and wrong is Mm -hmm. wrong. Well, Lieutenant Governor Pam, we always love having you on the show. Any uh, any final thoughts you want to share? Well, I just want to thank you guys. Thank you for having me. I think talk radio is the purest way to get to our listeners and make sure they know exactly how we feel. And I hope you all have a great rest of the summer. I know I'm enjoying my time. (laughs) here i'm going to be sad when school starts back in august and but i'll be heading then i'll have to head back up to the upstate every day with my jackson we are too my kids especially but maybe we'll see you in the mountains maybe we'll do a remote from the visit yeah come and visit for me and travelers rest guys absolutely folks we are talking to lieutenant governor pamela evett thank you for being on the show come back anytime you know you're welcome i will let me leave you with this bit of wisdom from the proverbs folks trust in the lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths that's proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 y'all have a great week. Be blessed. We'll see you next week for more Saturday Morning Coffee. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.